Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jim O'Connell. Jim is the Assistant Vice President for Commercialization at UF Innovate at the University of Florida. In addition to UF Innovate, Jim also leads the Sid Martin Biotech and the Hub Incubators and is the Director of Tech Licensing. Jim works with internal and external constituents to provide strategic leadership and direction in building and capitalizing on facilities, expertise, and technology at the University of Florida. Before joining UF Innovate, Jim directed the Tech Transfer Office at the University of Miami and served as the director of the Michigan Venture Center at the University of Michigan. Jim came to Tech Transfer with 20 years of industry experience. Additionally, Jim worked in two startups in the medical device industry and also served in the U.S. Air Force as a helicopter pilot. Jim earned his MS in engineering management from the University of Maryland and his BS in aeronautical engineering from Resilier Polytechnic. And with that extremely impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Jim. Well, thanks so much for having me, Lisa. Well, thanks so much again for taking part in the podcast, Jim. And Jim, I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Gainesville and at UF Innovate? Well, mine is uh, definitely a twisted path. Started as an engineer, going to be an engineer in the Air Force, ended up flying for 10 years, got out and went into industry in corporate America and a medical device company, learned about corporate America, did two startup companies, exited the last one to GE while I was in Ann Arbor. And then uh, found out about, out about this thing called tech transfer inside the university. And um, they needed someone who had all this commercial business development background and experience. And I, I went in there and uh, the rest, I, I, I went through the Venture Center of Michigan, ran Miami's office, which is a smaller office, and then up here about four years ago. Wow, that definitely is a different path to uh, tech transfer. I don't think we've had uh, anyone who's been a helicopter pilot or a pilot for that matter before. So very interesting road to tech transfer. So, Jim, I wanted to ask you, the University of Florida is famous for one of the most recognizable brands in sports, and that is Gatorade. For those of our listeners who are not familiar with the invention and particularly the history of Gatorade, can you share it with us? Sure. So the true story of Gatorade is a lot more interesting than the one that's out there more publicly. Gatorade does indeed bring significant revenue, more than $20 million in a year to the University of Florida. But its initial starting was not as nice and as clean as one might imagine. Dr. Cade was a nephrologist at the university, had a National Institute of Health grant 
to do some work for, for end-stage renal failure and trying to get these people to continue to uptake electrolytes. And the university, this is 1964, the university waived that technology to him, and he said he was going to go out and create a drink for end-stage renal failure patients. And a year and a half or two later, when he was out marketing it to Vandekamp's baked beans, and the university found out about it, he was doing it for a rehydration drink. And the university came back and said, you know, that's not what we waived to you. That wasn't included in the field. So that deal you're going to cut, you owe a piece of that deal to us. So a lawsuit ensued. He was taken off of the faculty. In the end, everything was settled. And we continue to get a revenue stream now from Gatorade as a result. And I will say everything was settled equitably. And we are, in fact, uh, in good relations with the Cade family. They have the Cade Museum here in Gainesville. We're an active participant with them. So the answer is that, like many things in tech transfer, the details of the deal get a lot more than the, the, the way it is out there in the public. I will say there's a really good book out called First and Thirst by Darren Roble. It tells some interesting stories about Dr. Cade and how it really got to market. And it's uh, uh, thanks to Dr. Cade, he had the foresight to actually take out the trademark, which is what continues to pay us, even though you know a copyright would have gone when he had died. The uh, patent would have been long expired. The trademark is what holds it up and continues to bring in the revenue. Wow. Yeah. And based on my research, it's a, it's a fascinating story. And as you mentioned, it brings in about $20 million per year still to this day due to the trademark to the university. So could you share with us um, what happens with some of that money, maybe some research projects, labs, and other things that it's used to fund? Most significantly, it is a significant portion of startup packages that go out to our research faculty. And University of Florida is a growing university. We're trying to march our way into the top five of top five publics. And to do that, we need to hire great faculty. To do that, you need money for startup packages. So one of the requirements of the agreement with the Cade Trust to get the royalties is that this money wouldn't go into operating expenses or into salaries or anything like that. It truly needs to be reinvested in the faculty. And that's exactly what we do. That money goes in on an annual basis into faculty startup packages. It also helped to pay for our matching funds for the EDA grant that funded the hub building, so to the tune of $16 million. Wow. Well, given that huge success and visibility of Gatorade, how do you and how does your team manage to handle that expectation that not every U of F invention is going to result in blockbuster success like Gatorade? So administration here in management, upper management, the president and the cabinet, interestingly, get it because of Gatorade. Because of that success, they can see how it's a long-term game. Because they know the real story, they realize it's not just you know rainbows and unicorns here. It's difficult to get there. So they appreciate that fully. I, I have never heard from any of the upper management here the question, when are you going to find our next Gatorade? But having said that, what Gatorade has done at the University of Florida has made it clear that that element in the culture of the university is impactful financially, but it's also impactful through what it can show the faculty that 
you can too have a success like this, a wild success. So it's a great story. And it's part of my orientation to new faculties. We talk about it. And of course, we're known for Gatorade. But the fact is that this is what the culture environment allows you to do. And in fact, we do continue to reinvest in you as faculty. And another interesting story, kind of back to your question, I, I won't say what university, but we had a, uh, a smaller university down here a few years back that were, had recently expanded into a medical school, and they were down here to see how we were doing it. And I literally had the president, provost, CEO of the hospital system in a, in a meeting and giving a presentation on how does University of Florida do it. And literally, I started off and said, are there any questions before I get going? And the president said, yes, how do I find my, net, my next Gatorade? <laughs> and I hopefully didn't roll my eyes too much. <laughs> you, don't, you don't go and find your Gatorade. The Gatorade finds you. And you've got to be willing and open and have the right people on your tech transfer team to be looking out there and creating the culture that will bring these things forth. They, uh, you don't create one of these Gatorades. It finds you. Switching gears, Jim, my understanding is that the state of Florida does not provide much financial support for early entrepreneurship activities and that UF Innovate is really serving in a de facto role in this regard. Can you tell us what UF Innovate is doing to encourage and facilitate early entrepreneurship? Sure. The state of Florida is an interesting political landscape. Third biggest state in the country. We have very different geographies. We have very, very different cultures. And we vary from northern Florida here where Gainesville is, that is very much like southern Georgia, down to Miami, that is very much like the Caribbean. And we cover everything else in between, and that includes all the politics. And as a result, it's a very challenging place to unify and get some things done, state government included. So the notion of creating programs that apply across the entire state that could help early stage companies get going, it's a bit foreign down here. So what we found is that my entity, my, my entity is UF Innovate. And with the 40 or so people who work for me, we end up playing this role where we're serving not just the university and uh, the faculty, but more in, in an economic development role for the entire northern section of the state. And as evidence of that, more than half of the companies in our incubator system are not from inside the university. And we attract in companies from outside the country, we much less outside the state. And we regularly get companies in from all over the country, New Mexico, Louisiana. Um, we get companies from Brazil. Wow. We, we do take the time to try to fill in the holes in what I would call the ecosystem continuum. And that means from the very earliest stage of a faculty getting some grant money or some in industrial contract all the way to the point where we're exiting it out the door and trying to support with a venture fund. So we, we are actively, and, and the reason for creating UF Innovate as an umbrella organization is having the ability to flex into these different holes in the continuum. We're about to start an education segment of UF Innovate. 
that's going to look to educate faculty on how to apply for SBIR grants. We're, we are, have started a corporate engagement group that's intended to go out and reach out to industry to try to make links to bring in more contract research. And we've got a venture fund now that is truly investing in our faculty startups. And that brings another dynamic where we can get in because of our, our rights, we can get into a deal that there's no way and, and be talking with the biggest VCs in the country, even though we're only putting a quarter million dollars in. So it's, it's in an effort to create and fill in all the gaps from the very idea point or even before the idea point until it's all the way out the door that we're trying to support not just the faculty, but the local community as well. And you have a couple incubators too, don't you? You have something called the Sid Martin Bio and the Hub. Can you tell us a little bit about those as well? We do. You know, this not filling in the gaps in the ecosystem is not just about programmatic stuff. There also has to be an element of brick and mortar. And we have two incubators. Sid Martin Biotech was created 26 years ago and actually started interestingly out of a USDA program and then pivoted to become a biotech incubator. The hallmark of its success has been shared equipment. It's got going on a million dollars worth of shared equipment that allows a, a startup company to come in and literally not need to buy very much of its own lab equipment. It has been continuously full for the last four years. So occupancy, even all the way through COVID. We also have the hub. I mentioned the hub earlier in as a recipient of some of the Gatorade money. Uh, we had our matching funds. The US EDA paid for the rest of the comp- of the building. And the hub is 100,000 square feet. And we then host a lot of our tech, more tech-based companies and less lab-intensive companies here as well. That's here in the, in the middle of the innovation district. And the key to both of these, though, I mentioned that Sid Martin, the shared equipment, that the key is not the building and the cheap space. Anybody can put up cheap space. It's programs like shared equipment and mentoring and advice and helping get funding in, bringing in investors. It's the programmatic elements. Cheap space is easy. Yep. There's lots of cheap warehouses available. This is all the other elements that come with it and providing it in a, in a value added approach with a smile on your face. You gotta, this is about customer service and universities are not necessarily really good at that. So it's a, it's part of the culture, a culture we have to build inside of the organization here to realize these are paying customers that we need to take care of. So question for you, you mentioned about companies coming from all over to um, to UFF Innovate and to these incubators. How are these companies finding um, to come to, to Gainesville, Florida? We do market ourselves. And one of the things that I will say the University of Florida is has done a bad job in the past, and I'll even say the state of Florida has done a bad job in the past. And you have innovate is, is marketing ourselves and the great things we have going on. And uh, one of the hallmarks, you know, that we're going to talk about in a bit is, you know, what are the great successes beyond Gatorade of the University of Florida? We had uh, technology in Luxturna with Spark Therapeutics, uh, one of the first, the first 
gene therapy approved in the U.S., and that was with Cornell and Penn. We, we do a terrible job of putting this on the stage as the other as Ivy League schools. So, you know, we we need to market. And, and so when you ask, how do we get out, get the word out about Sid Martin? We market. We we are active in social media. We're trying to be in the right places for people that would be interested in the things we have going on. But I'll say that marketing has got to be backed up by a solid product that people are interested in. Absolutely. Well, you've, it sounds like you're doing a great job since you've been able to pull in companies, like you said, from Brazil and, and all over. So congrats there. So, Jim, I wanted to go back and talk about UF Innovate. Can you tell us a little bit about your office and how it's structured? Sure. So UF Innovate is the umbrella organization in an effort to create a brand that is recognizable and unify these different functions I've been talking about. And I haven't even touched on tech transfer, the, the most basic of and of the functions that really fall into it. So licensing is done in the tech licensing office. Typical office, I would say we are structured where we have who we call licensing officers that then have effectively a paralegal a licensing assistant assigned to them. And they work on a portfolio. And the notion here is that that is intended to relieve the licensing officer of their much of their paperwork duties, not all of it, but much of it. So that team exists together and they work on a, a, a particular block of technologies. We have been starting to cross over a little bit more as we've had some uh, changes and people being promoted up out of licensing officer roles. And maintaining consistency through the licensing assistants and not necessarily the licensing officers. So that's that's basically how we do the transactional piece. The team will go do the oral disclosure meetings with the faculty, and then that rolls into an invention disclosure and in up and on up through the uh, the different tiers of getting deals done. We do not have an in-house attorney. We have an assistant general counsel that's assigned to us, but they don't, they're not here in the office with us, but he is dedicated to us, not full time, but most of the time and have a great relationship there. Uh, he's very responsive, same day responses. We turn deals around. When we talk about the numbers here, you'll see we are a high volume shop and definitely believe in the notion that we're trying to get at bats for technologies and we're not trying to pick the winners. So we are trying to drive a high volume of deals through, and we wouldn't be able to do that without uh, a council, assistant general counsel, who knows how we can get things done. And that's also some of the reason for the structure, giving the licensing officers less of an administrative burden and let them focus on getting deals done. So you supplement that. Uh, a couple of years ago, I started the Ventures Group, and that was intended to have someone come in who had extensive knowledge in the startup space and in the funding space and an extensive network in the funding space. So in that group, we've got a director and then I've got four entrepreneurs and residents. And those four EIRs are across the state and they're located in urban centers. And the truth is that Gainesville is not that big we're not going to have an abundance of ex executive talent or capital. But there are people who would be 
happy, who are happy to work for us and to find funding for our startups and to serve as interim CEOs for our science projects and to march them out the door. So that's the notion of the EIR program. Uh, beyond that, I would say we have the typical, I've got a dedicated marketing group. Uh, I've got uh, one person who's really managing everything after the deals are done and everything's loaded into our database. She uh, keeps track of the finances and all the milestones. She is a very experienced licensing assistant is what it amounts to. So she's my metrics person. She handles all that. It all funnels through her. And we do have interns and fellows. Their role has been morphing a bit in the last two years as we're shifting more and more away from a notion of a one-pager, you know, putting in some technical description and putting it on the web to more of a social media approach. And that's run under my marketing group. In fact, my all of our current interns and fellows are all inside of my marketing group. Uh, we've seen that we feel like that's the best place for them to fit. I think that's a good segue for me to ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing with us how many invention disclosures, patent filings, revenue generating agreements, royalty income, and other metrics your office had in the last year. I think that would be really interesting. Sure thing. So to start off with what I would say is the most important number, we did 41 million in revenue last fiscal year. Now, again, around 20 million of that is Gatorade revenue. But it also shows that even beyond Gatorade, we're definitely running in the black. We're, uh, we've got a, a very broad, diverse portfolio of different deals coming through. So we're, uh, we're p- pretty healthy on the revenue side. We did 264 licenses and options. And I will throw in there that we are the land grant university. So we have a significant portion of those licenses that are uh, cultivar licenses that are coming through our ag school. So we sell a lot of blueberry licenses. One thing I, I will say we're working on extensively are invention disclosures. And for a school of our size, we're a little bit underperforming. And that concerns me because it's our raw material. And I also see it as a measure of engagement of faculty. If you go through and you do an analysis of how broadly spread or narrowly spread are your invention disclosures coming up, we found that we were getting the bulk of ours from our, I'll say, return customers, both individually as well as departments. And you know, we're supposed to be a service organization for all campus. So we have actively in the last two years gone out and tried to reach out to, you know, the, de- the Department of Dance and to parts of architecture and places where we're doing design patents and some other elements that are not your normal mainstream. One of the strengths of University of Florida is the fact that we have everything. I mean, we're the land grant with ag. We've got a medical school. We've got dance, arts, fine arts, it goes on and on and on. So we really cover a little bit of everything and we're underselling ourselves if we're not reaching out to all these departments. And uh, let me see, the last, we filed 380 patents, got 143 issued, and we did 16 startup companies. Well, those are some really impressive numbers, like you said, Jim, even when you take out the 20 million for the Gatorade. So congratulations. It sounds like you and your Office are having a, a very significant impact. 
Well, thanks. So, Jim, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is most important in managing innovations to have the greatest opportunity for success? It is the team and the people. And those people need to know what it's like to be on the other side of the table. And that's industry experience. And I will say that running the office like a business development organization, as opposed to a transactional getting paperwork done element is the key. And that that points back towards the idea of a higher volume that we can't pick the winners and losers. If we could pick the winners and losers, we would be VCs and making a lot more money. Um, we we can't. But are we, we're even earlier than VCs get involved. So our job is to sort through, find the stuff that we think has the most promise and give that its best shot we can. And we do that by volume. That's what it comes down to. And to do volume and to do it well, you've got to have some people who understand what it's like on the other side of the table just to get the deals done. Jim, a little bit earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that UF Innovate had some success stories uh, in addition to Gatorade. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of your other successful technologies, startups, things like that? Sure. So our second most profitable technology came out of the ag side of things, and it's uh, called Centricon. Uh, it's with Dow, and it's actually a termite uh, bait. <laughs> As strange as that sounds, uh, we, we cover it all here, like I said, at the University of Florida. <laughs> Recently, we had a big exit. One of our companies was actually a spin-out. It was Florida Biologics. That was an in-house manufacturing, gene therapy manufacturing entity that was sold to a company called Brammer. And two years ago, Brammer was sold to Thermo Fisher for $1.7 billion dollars. So that was a, a huge win, both financially as well as getting our technology out the door. And I'll also, I, I'll be remiss if I didn't say Spark Therapeutics again. You know, we had technology in the first gene therapy approved in the country. And uh, that's something to be incredibly proud of. In and of itself, not a big moneymaker. It's not intended to be. But it literally brings uh, sight to certain children with a very specific form of genetic blindness, and it's remarkable. It's a it's a great it's a great story, and it's a great way to sell gene therapy and the potential it has. So, Jim, what would you say are your office's two biggest challenges? I mentioned already a little bit the geography of the state of Florida, and that's that's the politics, and it's the size. It's the notion that unlike having lived in Michigan a long time and worked for the University of Michigan, when I go north, go to Traverse City, University of Michigan was still felt like the university of the state of Michigan. That's not the feeling you get across the state of Florida. You know, when you're in Tampa, you feel like it's University of South Florida. When you're in univer in Orlando, you feel like it's Central Florida. When you're in Miami, it's University of Miami territory. And that's got to do with the size of the state. And that does not lend itself towards a unified approach. And I've told people very high up in the state here, you know, we're the third largest state. We are nowhere close to that in terms of an entrepreneurial reputation. So if we're going to do that, 
we, we need to unify. We need to bring this state together, at least in this way. So the challenge, you say with the challenge, the challenge is in the unification of a very disparate state and uh, trying to do that through through my office. So it's a, it's a big task. But on the other hand, U, UF is the big university. It's the big research university in the state. And I feel like we have an obligation to do that. Now, switching gears a little bit, Jim, does UF Innovate or the University of Florida have any programs to help encourage and assist women and other historically underrepresented inventors and entrepreneurs? And if so, could you tell us a little bit about those in some detail? Absolutely. We do have a program funded through the US EDA that is called our Collaboratory, and, and we're recently changing it from a Collaboratory for Women's Inventors to the Collaboratory for Inclusive Entrepreneurship. And I've recently hired in a new director, Wanda Eugene, who is absolutely the right person for the job. And she brings uh, a PhD in computer science and coding to a lot of enthusiasm and a a great background. And she's going to drive this in our education division to get the increase our outreach, improve our outreach, and go well beyond just thinking of faculty startups and gene therapy. This is about our impact across the state, as we were just talking about, and how we can do the most for the taxpayers of the state of Florida. Jim, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests, if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be? Number one is brand recognition, and it's probably a common thread that if anybody listened through the whole podcast, UF is doing some tremendous things, and we're really putting up some real big numbers. This isn't just talk and marketing. And, you know, the state of Florida suffers in in its own way. We do have some tremendous things to offer down here, but it often gets overshadowed by Disney World or football or alligators. And, you know, we, we are absolutely operating a world-class research institution. So the brand recognition but for the entire school, it would be my number one wish. The next one I'd say is getting away from the zero-sum game. And whether that's on campus or it's in the local ecosystem here in Gainesville, or it's across the state, we really need to figure out how we can work synergistically. We've got tremendous opportunities and incentives to do so. And some of this comes back to, I think, my military background. You're always better when you're pulling in the same direction and working together. And we really need to do some significant work to bring that bring that together for the entire state. And then the last piece is kind of a launching off from the, the zero-sum game point, is that really trying to ingrain an entrepreneurial culture here on campus, you know, to start with and in Gainesville that I know is present in other parts of the country to really make it not a second or third or fourth thought for faculty or for students, but for it to be the first or second thing that they think about when they think about how they can get their technologies to impact the world. Well, I think those are three really great wishes. So good luck getting those realized, Jim, and um, best wishes in that regard. So, Jim, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Sure thing. Jim O'Connell at UFL.edu. 
Great. Well, thanks so much again, Jim. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thanks for your time, Lisa. I appreciate you reaching out. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.